Good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you at the time this recording. This is episode 85 of the Restricted Zone podcast, and I'm with the great crew today for this basketball episode. Uh, Kyrie, introduce yourself, man. You, what's going on, fellas? Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. Chris, introduce yourself, man. How's everybody doing tonight? Let's have a good show. A great show will be held. Corday. Introduce yourself to the crowd. Man. Yo, it's your boy Young Core. Can't wait to have a good show today, man. Young Core, Greg, introduce yourself, man, to the to the world. Introduce yourself. What's here with y'all, man? Excited to be here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get straight into it. We're diving into a basketball episode, strictly NBA. We're gonna, we got a lot to cover, a lot to talk about, but let's talk about the injuries first and foremost. So Devin Booker, as you if you, if you haven't already known. Uh, he will be out for a month for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, just, I just want to get your thoughts on what this means for uh, the Phoenix Suns, who we expect to be the next person to step up, the, disregarding uh, DeAndre Ayton, because I don't really see much in him, to be honest with you. I think he's a good player, not a great player. But uh, I want to swing it to Kyrie and then swing it to Corday. Move on first. Go ahead, Kyrie. Yeah, so uh... – to start off with Devin Booker's injury, I definitely think that's going to be a huge blow to the Suns because they've been dealing with injuries a lot so far this season already. Um, Chris Paul's missed a chunk of games. Campaign, I mean, not campaign, Cam Johnson got hurt eight games into the season. Um, or something like a meniscus tear. And, uh, campaign actually has been out since like December 13th or something like that too. So they've been dealing with a lot of injuries, but to their, like, to their credit, they've definitely been playing well, uh, through that. They're still fourth in the West. But I think losing Devin Booker is definitely going to be the tipping point to uh, the Phoenix Suns downslide because I just don't see them surviving without him. Uh, his offensive output definitely what been keeping them in games since uh, they don't get a lot of production out of DeAndre Ayton or Mikael Bridges on that uh, on that side of the floor. And Chris Paul has definitely been showing signs of decline too on that end. So uh, yeah, you're not getting his 27 points a game. You're not getting his, uh, his improved defensive intensity. And you're just not getting that guy you can rely on in uh, deep moments of the game, and uh, so a guy you can just give the ball to that can uh, that, that can win you games. So, I and I predicted the Phoenix Suns to have some type of the type of downfall too. I didn't really have them making a top six spot for the playoffs. I had them, if anything, being a playing team because you kind of see this coming again. Chris Paul is not getting any younger, and he's been showing signs of that on both ends of the floor where you have one of the defensive and you have teams attacking him night in and night out. And that, go along with his injury history, is just taking a toll on him this season. And to get to DeAndre Ayton, I honestly don't know why the Suns had uh, matches offered to the, to, the Suns, uh, to the Pacers this offseason because he really does not a fit there. And him and Monty Williams, that team, they just don't really seem to rally around him or to really embrace him as a, as a center stone of that franchise. And um, as a result of that, you don't get the best out of him every night. I mean, he puts up his, his average at like to 18 to 10, 18 to 11 a game, but he doesn't really pop off unless Chris Paul's out of the lineup or Dean Book's out of the lineup. And he has to be that focal point. So uh, I think first things first, they got to find some find a way to get rid of him and get pieces back then, uh, to kind of get you back on track. Because Dean Book's only out a month. So uh, they definitely, when he gets back, can, can definitely still make some noise in the West, depending on how other teams do. But I think the first step will be, one, making sure your guys are healthy, and two, 
find something to do with DeAndre Ian because he's going to that lack of chemistry is going to hold them back along with these injuries. All right, that sounds pretty fair. Uh, uh, I'm not disagreeing with it. Corday, just give me your thoughts and perspective on uh, the Suns' situation. So D-Book is out. Uh, I think his injury turns the Phoenix Suns. I think it was kind of a little bit lackadaisical in terms of the approach, in terms of the roster construction. Uh, I think this is what's going to make the Phoenix be more aggressive in terms of uh, giving them a sense of urgency in terms of improving their roster because I don't think this roster – uh, is what takes the Suns to the NBA Finals. Yeah, bro. It's I. I don't know, bro. I think the Suns losing Devin Booker is going to hurt. You know, that's a guy that's averaging twenty-seven points a game with improve, improved defense, improved playmaking. Um, I feel like it's going to be hard to replace twenty-seven points. They're they're going to have to find a way to accumulate that between DeAndre Aiden having to step up. They're going to need Chris Paul to step up more scoring the ball because Chris, Chris Paul, Chris Paul has been, you know, really good playmaking wise, but he just doesn't have that quick first step anymore, that quick burst ability in and out of his dribbles to score. He's not the defender he once was anymore, which is expected for a guy of his age. Uh, they're going to need Mark, um, Mikel Bridges. I'm sorry. They're going to need Mikel Bridges to step up. Uh, I would like to see him shoot more three-pointers a game, put the ball on the floor, get to the rim, create plays. Um, I think they'll be able to stay afloat. They're currently uh, 20 and 16, which is fifth in the West. I think the Suns, I'm a little disappointed in them to start the season. But like Kyrie mentioned to earlier, they, you know, had injuries, suffered. Chris Paul suffered an injury. Cam Johnson suffered an injury. Um but yeah, man, they're, they're just going to have to find ways to step up. I believe even campaign has suffered an injury. So they're, they're going to miss a lot, man. Uh, not only in terms of like when it comes to playmaking assist average, Devin Booker creates plays in more than just assists. You know, you have hockey assists and he's a guy who spreads the floor out. So the fact that he seeks so much attention, that's creating plays to be made for other people. Um, but the Suns, they, they have a great coach, I think. Uh, I feel like he'll be able to, you know, coach them to victories. It's just going to be a matter of can they stay afloat and what their seating is going to be once Devin Booker comes back. But it's a good thing that this injury is happening relatively somewhat young in the season where it's not late in the stretch and they're going to have to rely on a late run to make the playoffs. This can still be a playoff team. It's just really unfortunate to see one of the game's best players go down with injury. Okay, that's right, and that's – Actually, you made some interesting points. I'm going to touch on it a little bit. But, Chris, you're looking at the you're looking at the Suns roster. You're a general manager. You realize you got to shake things up, and you realize that you got to kind of slightly mediocre. Uh, what would you look for out there to make a trade for that you think would be able to improve the depth of your roster, improve the bench, and – Possibly, you know, take that next step for you to compete for the finals. What move can you make? There's a better question. Mm, I mean, true. who's taking on Chris Paul's contract? Mm, DeAndre, Aiden can ve- DeAndre Aiden can veto any trade he wants to for up to a year. That's in, that's in the contract that the Suns matched. And, I mean, who else is valuable outside of that? They haven't even found yeah, you can throw in Jay Crowder. They haven't right. found a suitor for him. They haven't played mm. him this year in order to find a trade for him. And he, as of right now, 
He is technically still a member of the Phoenix Suns. So you can't make a move. This is your team. This is the roster you're going to have for the rest of the year. So you're going to have to make it work. And in my honest opinion, just how I think the Sixers like kind of closed that championship window when they didn't, when they lost in the 2020 or 2021 playoffs, I think it was. I feel like the Suns also missed their great opportunity to win the championship. Because remember, during the finals, they were up 2-0 against the Bucks, And they just let them win four straight. And I think just not being able – and, again, when you look at that entire playoffs, a lot of the championship contending teams that we saw that year all dealt with injuries, except the Suns and except the Bucks. And when you – and on paper, everybody thought this – including me, I thought the Suns would be the team to come out on top. I thought they were going to be the team to win. And they just missed their opportunities. And then you look at last year in the playoffs and you look how bad this team crumbled. I mean, regardless of if you want to make moves, as of right now, this is the team you have assembled. You have to deal with the disgruntled DeAndre Aiden because I already know he doesn't want to be there. And you can tell he doesn't want to be there just because mm-hmm. of the effort that he puts in from a night-to-night basis. Yes, sometimes he'll get his 20 and 10 games that he can be getting, but you also see, like, him arguing Mikael Bridges, him arguing Monty Williams during timeouts. You see the disconnect still there, him not communicating at all with Monty Williams over the summer. Like, he does not want to be there. He's only there because they matched his offer. And I don't, and like Kyrie and um, Corday said, I don't know why the Suns would match his offer knowing that he does not want to be there, knowing that you did not want to give him the money that he wanted. So, this is the team you have. I mean, they're going to be a playoff team because I feel like there aren't if you kind of play into that, I feel like there aren't 10 better teams in the West than the Suns, so they're going to be a playoff team. But I, got, I, I do see them as a playing team or maybe just a 6C. But mm. even in the playoffs, I don't see them really doing anything. They might win the first round, but I think this team mm. peak is a second-round exit. Really? Okay. Okay. Um, Corday, I saw you unmute yourself. Go ahead. Uh, just I just wanted to touch on the DeAndre Aiden situation a little bit. Um, right. I know what you were saying with like you know he can not waive a trade or whatever, but I feel like if he's disgruntled, then he would have no problem accepting a trade to go elsewhere. It's just a matter of what can they get back for uh, DeAndre Aiden. But at the same time, it's like I do think they're kind of stuck with with this roster. Uh, they you know they've been trying to trade Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder has has no value right now whatsoever. It seems like. A Jay Crowder trade is never going to get done. Where honestly, Jay Crowder is hurting himself. He's not the type of player that has the leverage to sit out and expect his value to be high. He's not a Kevin Durant or a Ben Simmons or anybody like that. So that hurts the Suns a lot too. All right, uh, that's pretty fair. Now, uh, a key point that Chris said that uh, he talked about the Phoenix Suns' future, and I want to swing it to you, Greg. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. The more and more the season progresses with the Suns, we're still, granted, still in December, technically January, right around the corner. Uh, this is looking like this is the Suns' last serious chance at winning an NBA title with Chris Paul. Uh, do you think that's the case with, with the Suns, or do you feel like uh, do you co-sign with Chris in terms of uh, there'll be a first-round exit, second-round maybe their highest potential in terms of advancing in the playoffs? What's your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, I think with CP3, this is it's only probably going to go downhill from here. If we're being honest, this current iteration of the Suns isn't any better than the Los Angeles Lakers without um, 
without Anthony Davis. Like, if anything, if the if the Lakers play the Suns right now, I think the Lakers would wax them. I'm gonna be honest. So, with that being hey, said, yeah. like, whoa, I'm just saying. I mean, it's just Chris Paul. I'm just saying. Like, I think they would wax them. I, I like LeBron. Who? Who? I mean, I like LeBron. I like the team chances. Like, I don't think it would be a close. I think it would be similar to that Lakers Pistons game that happened the other night when they won by 19. Like, I think it would be something like similar to that. Like, young talent, good talent, with a mixture of old. But who gonna go, who gonna stop Bron? And like you mean, like I I don't I don't like CP3 just dropping thirty on him, like so and I so that's just me personally. But um, I could, I, I could flip you. Who are the Lakers guarding? <laughs> I mean, I guess no fair 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 fair. I guess it, DeAndre Ayton will his, get get his. It just depends on if he's going to play tonight. It just depends if he's going to show up that night. Because yeah, I know I, DeAndre Ayton. It just it just depends game to game game to game. At least I can say with the Lakers, I know that they try. You know what I mean? You can't make that same art on a consistent basis with the Suns. The Suns was the number, started off so hot. It was the number one seed. Then they went on a five game losing streak. Everybody started getting hurt. You know what I mean? Like, and now they're just like, uh, like, what are they? Like 19 and 16? Like, I thought they were going to show us again this year why they deserve some respect, but they kind of just fell off and CP3 don't look the same. Like, until they get the, the real benefit of having someone like a Cam Johnson, was that you just got you you could plug him into the lineup when need be if people want to take off you can have him coming off the bench he can get you a solid fifteen twenty points a game. Mikael's game is not built to be a game in game out seventeen point a game scorer. He just gives it to you when he needs it. So when someone like Cam Johnson they feed off each other they feed off a dude like Cam Johnson. But without Cam Johnson and Devin Booker and the declining CP three like who are you getting your offense from consistently? I, I feel like I do agree with you talking about the declining CP3, but I feel like in terms of regular season, Chris Paul is good enough to still make the players on that team better to win win the games that should be winnable for them. It's going to suck not having 30 points in the lineup, but I still feel like in terms of assisting, Chris Paul can still assist them to regular season wins. Like, like kind of similar how he did to OKC that one year. Mm. Okay. Yeah, but that was a CP3 that was three years younger. That that's that's very true. But at the same time, it's it's kind of like I, I feel like it's going to be a difference between leading a charge in a regular season led game compared to a playoff led game. But I feel like they still have enough talent to to still be at least like respected in that playoff race. They're they're not going to be a first seed, a second seed, but I I still feel like they can hang around that five through through eight without Devin Booker. Oh, that's definitely fair. Um, I don't really – you know what? That's some great points. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the Suns can do, uh, even though they might not really have an optimistic chance of winning the titles. But we transition to the next topic. We go to the team that beat them and made Devin Booker kind of a meme as compared to – the man a lot of people have is their MVP, uh, Luka Dantich, Luka Magic. Uh, my man had a 60-point triple-double first. Uh, it's just one of the first of many, I think, in my opinion, he'll probably have throughout his career. Uh, when you look at the Mavericks and you look at the roster, you look at the team overall, uh, Chris, I want to swing to you. Who do you blame for the Mavericks struggles? I mean, you got a guy like Luka Dantich. They haven't had a superstar since 
a superstar like that with that type of talent since they had a guy named Dirk Nowitzki in 1998, uh, and he changed the franchise, which I think Luka has the same impact, but he just needs a better roster. Uh, Chris, just who who's to blame for the Mavericks' struggles despite Luka playing at an MVP caliber level? I just want y'all to hear me out when I say this. I just need y'all to hear me out. Don't react all crazy. Don't start saying what. Like, don't don't trip. Just hear me out. I blame Luka Doncic. Let me be quick. I won. I, he. I went to win MVP this year, and he's mm. playing phenomenal. As y'all know, he can, he can be and should be. But let's be honest. During the off season, even if there was tampering involved. I feel Luca made no attempt at trying to keep Jalen Brunson around. Now, I know a lot of people don't look at Jalen Brunson as uh, uh like an all star guy. Like a co star, right? Quality. Yeah, like a co star or something. They don't look at him as that. But he was very valuable to the Mavericks. One, because he was an additional ball handler, which the Mavericks really need, which is why they signed Kemba Walker in the first place, who really doesn't get on the court still like that because his knees aren't together yet. And he's also another shot creator, which they also need when Luka Doncic is off the court. Because Spencer Dinwiddie has filled the role of Jalen Brunson, but he still has his has his games. Like sometimes he'll he'll look great, but other times he'll look like he's not even on the court. The most consistent player outside of Luka has been Christian Wood, which is great, no doubt. Christian Wood definitely a piece you need on a a piece that I would like to have on a championship roster. But, again, Christian Wood isn't a really a co-star. He's just a very valued role player. He could be a third-scoring option, kind of like Spencer Dinwiddie could be a third-scoring option. They, but they're still missing one other guy. And I blame Luka just because – now, we know the, exper- the experiment of Luka and Chris Ospazengas did not go well. We know that there were a lot of flaws in it. But, honestly, looking at it right now, and I know Case, and I know the Wizards are still terrible, but KCP is still putting the good numbers, numbers that Luka needs right now because he's really he carrying this team on his back. A lot of the players outside of Christian Wood and, mo- and most of the time, especially Dinwiddie, uh, everybody else is inconsistent. Penny, I said Penny. Tim Hardaway can give you <laughs> six points one game, and then for the next three, he'll give you nine. And then the next That's game, he'll give you 15, and then maybe 30-piece. But it's inconsistent. Like Luca needs that on a daily basis. He needs t- he needs people to help him out. He's doing everything. And I bl- no Wait, keep what going. What you about to say? No, you're right. The lack of help. You're right. Keep going. And I and I blame him because he had help on his team, and he I don't feel like with Przingis. I know he pushed him out, but he kind of needs him right now. And with Brunson, even though even though tampering was involved. I want him to, he should have at least tried to keep Brunson in Dallas, tried to do something, say something. As of right now, as far as I know, Luka didn't do anything. He just basically let him walk. And right. Luka needs help. He's going to be a great player. I hope he wins MVP because he's doing great. But literally now, Luka has to really go crazy every night now for the Mavericks to be a championship contending team, kind of like how LeBron was his first day in Cleveland. He has to be Superman yeah. literally every night that he's on the court yeah. for the Mavericks to be a championship contending team. Okay. I don't know if he'll go that far yep. without a, a legit co-star with him. That's true. That's no, you're right. Look at the Josh Green's inconsistent, Reggie Bullock, Frank. Frank, I can't, I always struggle with his last name, Kyrie. Uh, 
Right, Frank. Uh, just uh, uh, even Davis Barton. I think he got traded from the Wizards. Actually, he got traded, and he's just been really consistent as well. Kyrie, um, uh, before I swing into Corday, uh, who you, you hear what Chris said? He brought some valid points. Do you agree? That's the case. Do you think Luca is the main culprit for the Mavericks' struggle, despite him playing so well? I like the. I really like the. Uh, the case that Chris had brought up because it's some it's that's something I like I watch the Mavericks and I think to myself all the time and what I say to myself is is like dang we we've gone through a, like a, a few guys I mean uh, the Dallas Mavericks I believe it was the year before they got Luka they had Dennis Smith Jr. and they tried to pair them up as a backcourt and handle and Dennis, Dennis Smith Jr. coming out of North Carolina State was a, was a lottery pick mind you that didn't work out they traded him for Kristaps Porzingis that didn't work out. Um, like Chris had mentioned, him, uh, him and Jay Brunson played really well on the floor together. But when it came down, and it, in in my mind, Jalen Brunson's mind was already made up and going to the to the uh, to coming to the Knicks. We already signed his pop. Uh, we we already was in Kadoos with agents agents stuff, and they actually hit us for tampering. They took away a second round draft pick from us. So I didn't think Jalen Brunson wanted to stay. In Dallas, but at the same time, Chris is right. I didn't really see Luka Doncic outwardly expressing, "Yo, we need Jalen Brunson here. We, I, I need Jalen Brunson here with me if, if the Mavericks want to, if this team wants to go anything anywhere far." And I, that's still, I definitely agree with that because I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie being your second, third best player is going to get you anywhere. Christian Wood is a guy that I really like, but he, I feel like Jason Kidd uses him wrong. That's another that he. So as far as my part, my my blame pie chart goes. 33% Luca as, as far as not being able to mesh with certain teammates or guys that's given to him and say, Hey, that's your, that's your, your running mate right there. We, you guys got to play, you got to play off of him on a night to night basis. And it just never really seemed to me like Luca trust these guys. Then mm-hmm. another 33% is going to have to go to Jason Kidd because I don't, I personally, I'll say Jason Kidd and front office because they get the other 33% because I don't think this Mavericks team is good at all. I said it when we were uh, we were talking about our MVP picks, and I had Luka Doncic, and I said, I don't think this Mavericks team is good. You take Luka Doncic off of this team, they're competing for Victor Wembanyama in the Victor Wembanyama three stakes right now. The team is not good. And I just feel like they, they've had these guys for, like, a long time now. You have guys like Dwight Powell. You have guys like Maxi Kleber down low. They're just not the center that you need to play with a guy like Luca or having a rotation consistently that's going to win you games. They're just not those type of guys. And I have some stats here that kind of lose to that because I see it on a night in and night out basis. The Dallas Mavericks are last in point in paint points per game. And granted, that's because you have Luka Doncic, who's a perimeter oriented player. But at the same time, you have no real threat down low outside of Christian Wood that you could throw the ball to and get to a bucket down low. And they don't even do that for him. They run him and picking and picking pops and not even getting have him running high screens all game. So Chris, he really only gets the crash. He only really gets to put in work down low when he's crashing for rebounds or he he's grabbing. Uh, Luca finds him on a, on a on a late cut. So yeah, it, I feel like their roster construction really isn't that good. Another key thing to that is they're lasting fast break points per game too. The team doesn't get up and down the floor. Luka Doncic, yeah, he he may slow the game down and play had the game play at his own pace, but you don't have really guys out there that are locked down defenders that are really creating uh, these opportunities for your team to go out and get fast break opportunities. Dorian Finney-Smith's been out with injury. 
Reggie Bullock has been super inconsistent this year. Josh Green, he he shown some improvement, especially as a shooter, but he's still young. He's still learning. I definitely I don't think this roster is good as they stand. And uh, yeah, that that's pretty much it for me. That's who I really had to blame on. Because I can't really blame it all on Luka because he's putting up 33, damn near 9 and 9. And we just right. seen the 60 point, 20 rebound, triple double, the first one in history he had, along with that crazy shot he had to force into overtime. I said it, I, I said it in the, in a few episodes ago and I'll say it again. Luka Doncic is the most valuable player to his team in basketball. And mm. without him, they're, they're literally nothing. They're literally nothing. All right. Strong points for the end, Kyrie made. Corday, uh, on your pyramid chart of the Mavericks struggle, uh, blames. Uh, who, who's at the top of the pyramid and, and break down why? Um, well, for me, the, I think their problems is, I think it's roster construction. Uh, I feel like Luka Doncic would probably be the MVP favorite right now if his team had a better record. Uh, I feel what some of you guys are saying with, you know, blame, pinning a little bit of the blame on Luka where you always have to look at the best player and, you know, put some emphasis on him. But at the same time, um, I feel, I feel like, I feel like it's, it's, it's not on Luca. You know, there's some guys where people think like Luca game cannot translate to playing with stars where I feel like that's the opposite. You guys mentioned like Chris Porzingis and Christian Wood not working out. Uh, well, Christian Wood, he's been playing amazing recently, but, uh, you know, it was a whole problem with him coming off the bench. And I feel like that was a good role for him. I feel like the reason why it didn't work with Porzingis is because that's a guy who needs, you know, he needs his touches. He needs his isolation touches, his paint touches, where in Dallas they were just using him as a catch-and-shoot stretch four. When I feel like the type of center you run with Luka is why JaVel McGee is starting. Luka is good when he has one of those centers where he can run pick-and-roll with, the center plays defense, rebounds, lobs. I feel like they don't have to force a stretch big to play with Luca. Having a guy at a, at a four that can shoot, I feel like is better compared to trying to have a stretch playing center. And with the whole like Jalen Brunson thing, uh, when you guys are saying you didn't see Luca making a point of emphasis for Jalen Brunson, I feel like going out and recruiting and trying to convince people to stay, I feel like that's not who Luca Doncic is yet. And you know. There, there was reports of Brunson going to the Knicks ever since the playoffs started, and the Knicks lost a draft pick for tampering. So I feel like, I feel like Brunson was gone no matter what. And also, the Mavericks didn't offer him the money the New York Knicks did. The Knicks offered him a max contract, where according to Shans and, and Woj, that the Mavericks offered him just less than that. Um, but a, a main problem too is, man, there's no one to take ball ball pressure off of Luka Doncic. I feel like they need another shot creator, another playmaker, a guy where Luka could take a play or two off and he could have a team that he could trust. Because Kyrie said it best, without Luka Doncic on his roster, this team is is, is competing for the, the victor sweepstakes. Um, I, I would like to see them go out and try to land a guy that could take p- pressure off of Luka and creating his own shot and creating for others. But I just don't think they have the assets to pull a trade off like that. Um, a guy I would like to see, uh, I, I know you guys might be thinking like it won't be a good fit, but hear me out. I would like to see if the Bulls decide to break it up, not Zach Levine, but I would actually like to see DeMar DeRozan with Luka because they both kind of play at that, that slow, that slow paced 
So you can have two of those guys who control that same tempo, but they will have to construct a roster with guys who can run a transition around them. But he, he will take pressure off Luka dribbling the ball. He could create his own shot. He's a guy who plays to his pace. He knows how to get to his spots. He knows his strengths and weaknesses. Uh, that that would be a guy I would like to see him appear next to Luka if uh, they had the opportunity to get anyone that could possibly become available. Okay. Bro, going to have to learn uh, how to play some defense. I ain't going to hold you. <laughs> like, he I don't understand. Learn how to play what, some defense. Like, Luka got to learn how to play defense. Like, y'all talking like Luka. Like, and I get it. Luka is a sensational player. He's definitely going to be the MVP of this league. But, like, it's really all on the offensive end for real. Like, Luka plays no defense. And, like, I know y'all be talking like all y'all, like, it's just the pieces around them, and that's deservedly so. Very inconsistent play uh, performances by a lot of the key pieces they've had over the years, but, like, I also think, like, we're so wrapped up in the greatness of Luka that he provides at the offensive end that I do, like, and Corday mentions it, like, I do question whether or not, like, I wonder who could be around him that would really, like, take this team to the next level because are we just going to overlook the fact that Luka doesn't play defense well? Like, are we just going to pretend, like... Like, because my my whole thing is like, for instance, like we talked going to the, and I'm not saying that Luca and Trey Young are the same player, right? Trey Young has his own talents, but Trey Young is a ball dominant like player, such as Luca. And we said that getting someone like I'm blanking on the brother's name right now. Who did they get from the Spurs? Uh, the the uh, Hawks. They getting Dejounte Murray was going to take the load off of Trey. Where like you know what I'm saying now you got another ball handler. The Hawks are like seventeen to seventeen. Like they they don't play no deep. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like you ain't saying all this, but and I feel like and Luka they got a center. To, like I feel like Luca does have and Luca does have to get better defensively. But once again, not trying to make it like Luca is perfect. You have to look at roster construction because. We've seen teams with superstars before who played no defense be successful because of the pieces they put around. Like, for example, look at Houston when they had Harden. Harden was arguably, if not for a fact, the worst defender in the league around that time. But they had guys who were willing and hard-nosed, capable defenders able to to carry the load of team defensively while James Harden did all the work. Like, look at Clint Capella during that, I guess you could say his prime. Clint Capella was one of the best rim protectors in the league. And if you have a good guy protecting the rim, nine times out of ten, you're going to have an elite defense. They had a guy like P.J. Tucker, you know, one of the the most feisty, scrappiest guys in the league. They had Eric Gordon, who once upon a time when he was young was a solid defender. So they they, they had Daniel House, another wing 3-and-D defender. You have to be able to surround your your weak defending star with players who are going to play that role of defense. They think they have guys that can be that 3-and-D but when realistically, like we all keep saying, those guys are too inconsistent to play those parts. Only moving piece that I honestly like is uh, Dorian Finney-Smith on the defensive end. But like I keep saying with the centers, with Christian Wood and Porzingis and even Dwight Powell, they keep getting guys for the offensive end, but they're not trying to protect Lucas' defense. You, you, those are three offensive centers. You, you get what I'm saying? Like I feel like they could do a better job of trying to get guys to protect the 10 to make that interior better. Because it all starts with the interior defense. I like, and I completely and I just, understand. I literally just thought of a name too. Ahead, I was about to say, I just thought of a name too that's been in, in some trade rumors recently, and I definitely feel like could send the the Mavericks to the next level because he can he can do it on the offensive end, and he's a, a an elite top tier defender. And that's OG and Anubi from the Toronto Raptors. 
they're not doing that good. And I feel like they're kind of looking at their team like, man, like, we look good they last should look, year. Fred Land Fleet should probably be traded. I mean, I think, I think, I feel like he would blow it all up. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with Gordon with it. Yeah, blow it all up. I mean, hey, if, if, whatever, whatever the case, if that's what it comes down to, I think the Dallas Mavericks definitely should be a front runner to try to grab OG and leave. And I like because that. He, like like you, like you were like you were just talking about. He amassed a lot of those weaknesses for your star on that on that event. I love it. I'll actually like OG and Nobi on the Mavericks. Yeah, but I love that name drop. That'll be perfect in Dallas. But like um, I was saying with the defense, I feel like that's why in the offseason, the Mavericks was one of those teams that was rumored to be towards uh Rudy Gobert because they need their their interior defense elevated because it all starts with the interior. But I, I love the name drop Kyrie. OG Ananobi would be like a perfect fit in Dallas. So how does OG and I'm not saying that OG Ananobi won't make a difference. Like, but how does OG Ananobi differ from the presence that Dorian Finney Smith provides? Just asking. OG Ananobi can from, create his own shot at a, he could he could definitely create his own shot better than Dorian Finney Smith. Dorian Finney Smith is a strictly catch and shoot player. Fair enough. He, and he, he's enough. not the he's not the type of guy that's gonna put the ball on the floor. Play aggressively and then and, and get fouls and stuff like that. Like, OG and Anubi could do that and play in transition. All right, just play yeah, his, his yeah. overall versatility offensively with, with his separate them. Yeah, I feel like he could create his own shot. He could put the ball on the floor, and he's one of those guys where he we we've been seeing it this year in Toronto. He has like defensive player of the year potential, which is a level above Dorian Finney-Smith. Obviously, he leads the league in steals per game and in, in, in total steals. While playing stellar defense on the other team's best player a lot of the nights. Alright. But oh great, Greg, I'm gonna let you finish off what you gotta say. We'll move on to the next topic. Go ahead. No, no, that's cool. I, I I think I got my main points across. It's just that like at the end of the day, like, you know, I feel like I I do question like who realistically is going to like be the difference maker via trade or free agency that's gonna play off of Luca, because like, and I think like, and I think, you know, I think Corday might have mentioned it earlier, maybe Chris, like, there's a level of like accountability because like, I don't think Luca, like, I feel like to let Jalen Brunson go like that, you know, like, if Luca really felt like Jalen Brunson was, uh, an adequate, like, side, like an adequate, like, piece to the team that like literally was spurring their success, then clearly like Luca's presence would have, could have made a difference too. But I, I don't feel like Luca believes that, like, even when he has talent around him that, like, takes some of the burden off of him, clearly, like, there's a level of, like, yeah, I can get it even without without him being here from Luca, Or there's or there is a passiveness to, like, co-sign or co-sponsor someone to the extent where it's, like, management needs, like, it wants to, like, do everything in their power to keep him. But I feel like to lose Brunson... Like you see the difference that he's making on the Knicks right now, and you see the difference between that 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 uh, that Mavs team from this year compared to last year. That's just me personally. So I I think some accountability. I think it's fifty fifty person. I think there's some accountability that needs to go to Luca, and then I think there's some accountability that needs to go to that Mavs front office because I feel like they both dropped the ball. All right, that's fair. Corday, I saw you unmute yourself. Last. Oh no. Listen to what Greg was saying. Those were some good points at the end. I just feel like, like, like he was saying, who could become available to be that like second star to Luca, and what assets do they have to 
give up for that second star. That's why I like DeMar DeRozan that name drop. I feel like it won't be the needle threader to get the Mavericks into contention. It's just a name drop of who could potentially become available. I got you. All right. So we transition from the Mavericks and we transition to the Knicks. We're going to New York City. Who's excited? Kyrie. <laughs> We're going to New York City, man. Uh, there's a lot to talk about the Knicks. I mean, where do we even start with the Knicks? Uh, are the Knicks built to compete? This is the question I have for you guys. Are the Knicks built to compete as currently constructed right now, as of today? Do you have them going to the playoffs? What's their future even looking like? Kyrie. I want to swing it to Kyrie. He's a Knicks fan. And then I'm going to swing it to Chris. Absolutely, absolutely. You guys, you guys know the listeners know. I'm gonna keep it a hundred about the Knicks. I don't care how well we're playing. I don't care what's good, like what's going on with us. I'm gonna keep it a hundred, and I'm gonna always like tell you guys how I feel about them from what I'm seeing. So, uh, the Knicks, of course, we went on a good, a nice little eight, uh, eight game win streak, and uh, through the first seven games of that win streak, we kind of got back to that team that I always harp on. I always, uh, I always say we got to get back to that team from two years ago that made the playoffs. For the first time in almost 10 years, we got back to being that defensive juggernaut and that team that's able to stop team, other teams from hitting a barrage of three-pointers, which uh, as a not-so-good three-point shooting team, we really needed. We really need to do night in and night out to keep up with teams because we, we go into games where, let's say, there's a healthy Steph or a healthy Clay or uh, we got a healthy Trey Young, a healthy DeJounte to worry about. Those teams will definitely light us up. So in the first seven games of our win streak, we had the first ranked defensive rating in the league, the second best opponent field goal percentage, uh, in the league and the first best, uh, opponents three pointers percentage that three pointers made. And again, that's let, that lets me know with Tibbs joining our rotation and going down to nine men that he's strictly going with the guys he feels like are the complete like, or the best defensive players that we have on the team right now. And in that, we've had young guys I've been yelling that we had to play last season or that we should have been playing last season. Guys like Deuce McBride, our second-round pick from a few years ago, been one of our best on-ball defenders that we have uh, on our squad right now. Jericho Sims filling in for Mitch Robinson whenever he's here on our – or Isaiah Hartenstein, whenever he's in foul trouble, he comes in, he gets boards. He's a, a vertical threat on the offensive end as a, uh, as a, uh, as a lob threat. And he's a, he's a good shot blocker, but we're getting those guys more ingratiated into our lineup and they're getting more minutes. And as a result, I honestly do feel like our team chemistry, I, I can't, I got to throw Quentin Grimes in there too, because he just had a 30 point game, his career high that was outshined by Lucas, 60 point, 20 rebound, triple double. But I honestly do feel like we're getting better to a point of, or from a fat aspect of our team chemistry and playing together as one. And Jalen Brunson has been the, uh, a, a huge part of that. These past few years where we kind of had a carousel at point guard, you could tell the guys weren't always in sync. The off-ball movement wasn't always the screen. Coming off the screen wasn't always the best. And we just always we just weren't always in in complete sync at all at most times. And that really hurt us in tight games and games that came down to the line in the fourth quarter. So having Jalen Brunson has really helped. But – uh. The one thing, another thing I want to take away from what it seems like an improvement from last season is, and a lot of Knicks fans and all of us, I feel like, have to keep this in mind. 
a lot of our wins against good teams came against those teams when their best player was out. The win against we had against the Cavs, Donovan Mitchell was out. We got a win against the Atlanta Hawks. DeJounte Murray hurt his ankle that game, left and didn't come back. Um, we played the Warriors right. I think Stephen Curry hurt his shoulder in, in our game against the Warriors. If not, it might have been right before. But we've been playing. We've been getting really lucky this season in winning games that we should win against teams that are, are without their star. But we're losing the games that we should. We're losing games that we really should be winning, which are at home and against weaker teams. And uh, I think once we get Obi topping back, that helps a lot because. He's been doing a good job. Of, he's been doing a much better job of being that glue guy. His three-point shot got him much better. At one point, he was our top three-point shooter um, percentage-wise on our team. So, um, yeah, I think the, the Knicks definitely look a lot better than what we did last season and a lot better than what I um, had assumed coming into the season. I didn't expect – right now, um, at almost January, I didn't, I didn't really see us being at – hovering around sixth or seventh place in the East. But – um. Whether or not we can maintain this or keep going or keep pushing in the right direction, I don't know. Because when I look at our roster from top to bottom, comparing to other rosters in the East, like the Celtics, the Bucks, um, the Miami Heat, once they fully get it together, I think the Atlanta Hawks are fully get it together. I just don't feel like we had the same amount of depth and star power that these other teams have. And I think that'll be our downfall. Um, until we could trade for or draft or get a guy in free agency that's a top tier player that can help us get over that hump. But overall, I think we're going to remain like a, a, a team that hovers around 500. And uh, if we do make the playoffs, I think it'll be, will be a tough first round exit. But um, I like the way we're going. I like the, I like that we're playing our younger guys now. I like that RJ Barrett has been playing a lot better and more efficiently. I like that Julius Randle has been taking care of the ball and scoring at an efficient rate. I just, I, I'm, I'm satisfied with where we are right now because I know we have the potential to get better. All right, in-depth analysis from the greatest Knicks fans I ever met in my life. Uh, we move on. Uh, not move on. Chris, I want to swing it to you before I swing it to Corday. Uh You look at the Knicks roster construction. Uh, what's the potential of the Knicks in your, from your perspective? They're a playing team, honestly, maybe succeed. I, I mean, I feel like they're going to be competing for a playoff spot or a playing spot throughout the season. But, I mean, they are more competitive than last year, but I don't really think much of the Knicks because I feel like they had the same issue that they always have. They still don't have a legit star, a star player. And once they get a star player, they're probably going to be competitive again because, I mean, even though Mitchell Robinson is hit or miss for a lot of nights, I really like him as a as an interior force down low. I mean, Julius Randle obviously cannot be your first scoring option on a winning team, but he can be a, a second or third. Maybe I think he can do that role. And Jalen Brunson, obviously, he was a great pickup <clears throat> because he's definitely a steady point guard. Sometimes he had, I mean, sometimes he'll go off, but you know, he's mainly been, he's mainly going to get you. 15 and 7 consistently. And that's what he's been doing. He's been upgraded to, I think it was 20 and 20 and 8 right now, almost averaging a double double. So he's been doing good this year. But right. I mean, again, it's the same thing like what Kyrie said. They really don't have any depth because even though I like him, I like Emmanuel Quickly's game, but ever since his rookie year, I just haven't seen any progression from him. Like he still seems like that hot or cold 
no in between type of player. Like either he's on or he's not on. That's fact. I mean, I mean, I mean, Kyrie. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. What about what about to cover? Well, I was actually about to ask Kyrie. I thought Emmanuel Quigley's defense has actually improved from, if anything, he's been the rebounding aspect. I see him grab boards a lot more. Uh, the couple of I mean, games his, his on ball defense. His on ball defense. He's probably the yeah, top two, top three best on ball. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Kyrie. Go ahead, Kyrie. No, I was just saying defensively he's taking a step up, but Chris is right offensively and as a as a point guard or as a combo guard in this league, he hasn't really progressed. I mean, he he's, yeah. his shooting percentages are like, kind of kind of bad right now. I feel like at this point, Emmanuel Kuliki just just is who he is offensively. Okay, that's true. Exactly. I mean, yeah, but I, but like when he first came to the league, like you saw that. I mean, he's he's still young, so we can still develop, but the potential he has to definitely be a six man a six man caliber player. But again, just what I watch the Knicks play, he's either just hot or he's cold. There's, then that's he's it. Very, and I, and like I said, very. Yes, he is. And then it's just like R.J. Barrett. Now, I don't know how I feel about R.J. Barrett because he came in the same draft class as both Zion and Ja was, and and some reports was labeled probably the best prospect out of the out of the three with the most potential in the draft. and yeah. But I, I just, like, he's not bad. When's he going to take that next step? Hmm. I mean, we've seen Ja and Zion from basically day one show that they're going to take over this league. Like, you know they're franchise players. And right. I don't necessarily want RJ to – and I'm not saying RJ has to be a franchise player. It'd be nice if he was because he was drafted third. It'd be nice if he was one. But I'm not saying he has to be a franchise player, but at least turn into an all-star caliber player. Like, turn into somebody who, even if you're not the guy on your team, you're you're the second guy. You're somebody's robber. And it's just right. like, he. you see the improvement in his game, but when you look at the box, but we look at the stash, it's like he's averaging the same stuff every year. It feels and like that. And you see this, yeah, and you see the small improvement. But it's just like, when are you going to take that next step? When are you going to show? When are you going to show everybody why you were picked third? When are you going to show everybody why the Knicks took a chance on you? Like at this point, I feel like it should have already been his team. I feel like Julius Randle should be playing second fiddle to R.J. Barrett right now. Hmm, I agree with that. That's a really good good point. Um, I'm sorry if I just cut you off. Uh, I feel like good? what he was saying like. If he's not a franchise player at this point, he should be like a like a Robin. I I I, I think that's like the perfect like analogy to say for RJ Barrett because I feel like at this point he could be like like a Brandon Ingram role type of like player. Because me personally, I'm a, I'm a big RJ Barrett fan, but it's like his offense sometimes. It's like he's another one who's so streaky. Like a couple, uh, I believe maybe last week, two weeks ago, he had 44, and now it's like. Some days you look, he might have twelve, he might have fifteen, he might have twenty. It's just, it, it's just. I want to see him put it all together. Like, what, what, what is he going to be? Is he going to be a Rodman? Is he going to just be a a, a role player? It, I, I don't know. I feel like we should be getting ready to see like the full like what RJ Barrett is going to be. But at the same time, playing with a guy like Julius Randle, I feel like it'll be hard to transition into it being like. RJ's team because I feel like Randall is best used on as like 
the best player on a mediocre team. What I feel like the Knicks are right now is mediocre. I still feel like they're competing for a playoff spot in the East, and I do think they'll get a playoff spot. But at the same time, kind of like they're a little mediocre without that star. You get what I'm saying? Hmm. All right. That's that's. I mean, Corday. Uh, I was actually gonna swing it to you. I mean, you feel like you uh you want to add anything? Yeah, you made some great points. Uh, with the Knicks, man, I just feel like they are they are who they are right now. They're they're a team that's constructed to compete in that like third tier of teams in the East with teams like uh, I feel like teams like Atlanta, uh, teams like the Pacers. I feel like they're in that bracket of tier three, which is like anywhere from six C to play in. Um, I feel like if you're a Knicks fan, you should be excited because I feel like despite the addition of Jalen Brunson, they're exceeding expectations especially with that eight-game winning streak where they could potentially be like a sixth seed in the playoffs. So I feel like if you're a Knicks fan, you have to like what they got going on. I, I love Jalen Brunson. Uh, Julius Randle looks like he's back to, like, that all-star form. Uh, I, I love that they're playing the young guys, like they're playing uh, Quentin Grimes, and I like that they're playing Jericho Sims. Uh, I really love the rhythm of uh, Isaiah Hartenstein. Isaiah Hartenstein, he, he's been really big for the Knicks. Uh that game on Christmas when they played Philly, it was like, bro, he just kept shooting like this push one hand hook shot floater. It was going in like every time. Like, uh, I, I love that addition for him. Someone who could provide a little, a little post scoring, defense, rebounding. The Knicks have good pieces. It's just about what can they do to build around those pieces? Can the Knicks find that star that's meant for the Mecca of basketball in New York? Hmm. Great point. Uh, honestly, great. I'm going to say it's honestly. Kyrie, I wish y'all got Donovan Mitchell. Y'all got Donovan Why? Mitchell. Why? We'd be having this conversation. You got the you only really one, think, bro. You really think Donovan Mitchell would have been the key to push them to that championship? You not I mean, going with that'd, be right the, that'd, that'd be a step in the right direction. They definitely got a better roster than you guys. They got a good Cleveland, they got a Cleveland does have a better. Cleveland does have a better roster, but I feel like if we were still able to get Jalen Brunson as point guard and had, Jay, and had Donovan Mitchell next to him, Oh yeah, that'd be. I'm phenomenal. not saying we'd be as successful as the Cavs are right now, but they wouldn't be a championship. They wouldn't be a championship caliber team, but it'd definitely be a step in the right direction. Surely, it'll be. It'll right. really be a step in the right direction. Um, I feel like it'll be a playoff team, but not like a contending team for a championship. But at the same time, it's like they don't have the defenders that the Cleveland Cavaliers have. So defense would have been a big problem for that for that backcourt. That's a really small backcourt. Cleveland is able to make up for it with, with Mobley and Allen and, and Levert's a right. capable defender. Have Isaac Okoro. So defense would have been a big problem because we don't know what they would have had to give up for Donovan Mitchell. So there's a chance that they could have even had to trade the little bit of defenders that they, that they do have on the team. So I'm, it, it would have I'm been saying a though, as a, as a, as a Knicks fan, if we would have had to give up RJ Barrett, I, part of me would be, <laughs> we, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't untap that potential that RJ Barrett has. He still only what, like twenty two. Yeah, Kyrie. But I would. I, hey, if if he had to go, hey, he he would have to bounce, bro, for for D Mitch. I'm sorry. I, I yeah, would no, give RJ. Wait, go ahead, Corey. Go ahead, Corey. I was saying, I feel that 110. percent If I have a chance to get Donovan Mitchell, I I would kiss RJ Barrett goodbye in a heartbeat. But it's like. What what defense would you surround him in? in <laughs> like like if that trade was 
If that trade was to happen, what are you surrounding Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell with to make up for their lack of defense? Ah, that's true too, because that's an undersized backcourt. Don't get it twisted. But, uh, they'll give they'll give anybody thirty to thirty or forty, but yeah, they'll probably yeah. But at the same time, you have to. Bro, bro, this is this is, but this is New York City, bro. You know how, how nuts this New York fan base will go to the second round of the playoffs. Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson get to the second round of the playoffs. Come on, what are we that's talking your, about here? That's your highest expectations, Kyrie. Second we, round we, playoffs. It depends. It depends. Second, on, if, if we get lucky, maybe maybe conference finals. That's maybe, what I'm saying. Uh, imagine uh, yeah. if there's a conference no. finals with Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson. The undersized no. backcourt. It's just the New York City. The underdog story. Come on. Oh Come yeah, on. that that'd be a selling story. That'd be a nice narrative for the NBA. Especially make it like, a, like as like a six seed or something. Yeah, exactly. Only New York City. Bro, there was no, there was no, there was no more of a season that speak New York Knicks basketball than when that 1999 team made it as the eighth seed to the to the to the uh to the championship game against That's the Spurs. Had they made yep. that championship, not gonna lie, that would have gone down. I know that was like a, a lockout shortened season, but had that 1999 team won, made it to uh, won the championship, that would have been like an all time like. It would have like, changed the Knicks' the future this year. They wouldn't have shut up about it to this day. To this day. Sorry, my fault. I'll go back. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll move on to the next topic. We change it to the next topic. The last topic. Uh, Wait. Not asking. Oh, Greg. Greg, of course. Of course. How could I forget the man? Greg, listen. What's your thoughts about the Knicks? What moves would you make if you were the general manager to uh, take give this the best shot at maximizing this team's potential? Uh, just give me your perspective on the Knicks. Honestly, if I'm the New York Knicks basketball team, mm. I find a way to have James Dolan go missing for an extended second. No. Let me let me let's get serious for a second. I personally feel like no, keep going, keep going. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm all he's here. Not, he's because James Dolan be bugging. And I personally feel like there ain't no stars that's really going to want to finagle the bagel and go there because of James Dolan. Especially, I mean, I personally feel like if James Dolan wasn't there, Kyrie would have convinced uh, KD to come to New York. But really? something, in, in Ky- something, in, something in Kyrie's third eye said, I can't play for that, man. <laughs> no sorry, Bob. <laughs> can't do it. The black Israelite in me can't do it. I can't. And I shout. I shout not. Um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely a, uh, it was, so James Dolan really plays a role because I feel like the best way to improve is through free agency and that's like a willingness. Now, they've created a culture with, you know, like the, uh, with, um, with the Brunson family there, like now with like team, like now, now they're playing consistent basketball. It kind of get on, gotten me back on the Knicks bandwagon, where like similar to like how they finished the 2020 season, but like I feel like they have more stability as as was mentioned earlier with Jalen Brunson. And I said that Jalen Brunson was going to be a key piece to providing stability to that franchise because the brother's just a stable brother. You know I mean like he's just like Mr. Consistency. You know I mean like I've seen it firsthand, like. The brothers, the brothers are good. Like, I just knew it was going to work out. Plus, his dad is there. You know what I mean? They have, they have a dynamic that works best. So it, it was, in terms of consistent basketball, it was going to work. They definitely need a starter. 
because if you watch New York Knicks basketball, they beat the teams that they're supposed to be, and they never beat the teams that they are not supposed to be. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not shocked they lost to the Sixers. Like, they lost to the Mavs. You could say the Mavs have a friend. Like, any team that has a star and that has, like, a winning record, I don't like the Knicks' chances against them typically on a night-in, night-out basis. But they'll beat they'll beat the, the Chicago Bulls on a home-and-home. Home. <laughs> you bet your bottom dollar they will. You know what I mean? They'll beat the team they're supposed to beat. They, they just... They just really won't be the teams that they're that are deemed to be a little bit better than them because they might have a star or not. So they need to get a they're in a tough situation because they have an owner that makes it hard to get a star and they need a star to take to make it to the next level. Um so it goes back to my first point of James Dolan just needs to go missing for like a two to three year period and then the next will be right. Kyrie, you, you agree with this? I'm 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 on board. I don't even got to hear anything else. I'm on board with it. Chile and Greg drive the boat. Chile and Greg drive the boat. Can I say, bro? <laughs> Next franchise, hit me up, man. I know people that know people that know people. God bless. <laughs> All right. Uh, we move on to the next topic, the last topic of episode 85 of the Restricted Zone podcast. And this is something I want to ask you guys. I think it's going to be pretty intense. We're probably going to go a little bit back and forth. Wait, wait, Colin, Colin, before we continue, I just want to make of the course. point that the, the restrict that the restricted zone uh, podcast does not condone uh, violence of any kind and any substance. Any anything that we say in this podcast, uh, please don't take it seriously. We wish James Dolan nothing but the but nothing but the best and the New York Knicks franchise. Thank you and have a safe evening. God bless. I'm glad you said that because as a Philadelphia 76ers fan, if I go and smack Doc Rivers in his bald ass head, don't hold me accountable. Cordell, you've been had that. You've had that ready in the tuck, ready to go. I yeah, need that. Bro, you're, you're, gonna, for real. you're gonna die there. We're gonna die there a little bit. <laughs> you already know how I feel about Doc Rivers, bro. We're not gonna go there tonight. Street say, Street say, he's not even a real doctor. First name Glenn for real, but that's all right. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. Doctor Rock knowledge is Doctor J, nigga. I don't know who. I don't know who Glenn is. I, I know Glenn, not Doc Rivers. Chris, you want to add anything from hey, yeah. you know to the road session? No, you want to just get to the last topic. All right, let's get to the last topic of the episode. This is something I'm gonna start with Chris first. Chris. And this is a question for everybody, but Chris will start first. Who's been the most underrated player in the NBA so far this season, right now? Talk to me. Oh. <laughs> I mean, mm. I'm, I think it's, it, for me, it's pretty easy. I, I got to go with SGA and OKC. That man, I mean, I know he is, I know he's he the best player. Uh, well, I, Chris, we used to argue about him. Back in the old days, no, we used to on, argue on, about on. him. Well, we, yeah, we, we used to argue about him. I still don't think he's a point guard. Oh, he's what? a great player, though. What? I never denied that he wasn't good. I just said he wasn't a point guard. He is. I think no, – I, I do not see him, view him as a point guard. I view he, him I don't, as – I don't think you can classify him in either one. He, he like a combo. He a combo uh, guard. I view but SGA really, more – I view SGA more as a two than I do a one. Really? Thank you. Yeah, wait, Chris. Wait, he's he's more of a combo Ooh. scoring guard. That's think about the year he he had with OKC. He was he was good in that role of being the off the off ball combo scoring guard to Chris Paul while Chris Paul played the one. That's that's what I think. Like the thing that I like about the the uh, uh, Thunder a little bit is like 
when SGA and, and uh, Giddy is in the lineup together, Giddy is more of that, like, controlling the offense, setting everything up while SGA is just getting to his buckets. Okay, that's fair. Chris, bring it right back to you. But I, it's, it's just SGA because, I, again, I knew he was I knew he was talented. You could see how – you could see him progressively get better. But the way he is playing this year, I'll be honest, I know the Thunder stink. I know they're terrible. I know they ain't going to do nothing this year. But I hope this brother gets some MVP votes. I really hope he does. I also hope he gets becomes an all-star starter. I, I, I want a lot from him this year. I hope he makes an all-NBA team. He deserves it because the brother is averaging thir- over 31 points on 50% from the field. Efficiency. Can't I didn't that see up. that coming from him. Mm-hmm. I did not see that coming from him. So I would, he needs what most improved. A starter. <laughs> he goes, he really don't want the award. He he needs start starting adding to his resume because it's just. Have I mean, it. the Thunder got their guy. They just they just need to build now. They need to build a team now. They do. Honestly, if we talking about potential, the Thunder is number one in terms of potential. You got Chet, whatever draft pick they'll probably get from this season. Uh, we don't know what got- Chet is. I think Chet's that that guy that takes him over the hump. I really like Chet. I I think Chet was really my favorite. I feel you. I feel you. And then but the brother Paolo, got hurt before he even started the game. Right. We said the same thing about LeBron. Chet's huh? a glorified bubble. That's he what I'm saying. Like I'm not gonna lie. If I'm Thunder, bro. No, you know what? I gotta and talk I about do. the rookie that's actually playing in Jalen Williams. He's been killing it. He's been killing it. That's yeah. what I'm saying. He's been killing yeah, they, it. They, they, uh, I think he's like, like 12 pick or something. He's been killing Listen, it. Right. You bring Chad, comes I, back next year. Shea's playing well. Trey Man's been playing pretty consistent. Josh Giddy. Listen, potential. Yeah. OKC's top three. I'm terms okay. I'm potential in the league. Potential top three. If you had to rank the teams in terms of potential, OKC got to be in your top three, like Chris. I, mean, uh, I, I still got the Rockets over them. Low key. Uh, Low key, I still got the Rockets over them. Now, if the Rockets, I love If the Rockets get Victor, if the Rockets get Victor, it's over. If the Rockets get Victor, it's over. You're right. You're right. I do think it's over. But I'm not going to lie. The Pistons are really trying to sell hard to get Victor, bro. Wait, what'd you say, Chris? You said Kevin Porter? I told. I said I would agree with Kyrie if Kevin Porter was so inconsistent, but I feel like yeah, I don't like Kevin Porter as a point guard. It's, it's because, because they're making him play point guard. He's not no point guard. You're right, Kyrie. He's not a point guard. I thought he's he could no play point guard. guard. He's he, not he, a point guard. He's not a point guard. He's a bucket getter. He's not. He is a bucket. He's he, he playing the role well because he he can distribute, but his turnovers right. are still high. He's he still his turnovers. Oh, his turnovers sloppy. Yeah. I don't know. Great. I'm not gonna lie. The Pistons. If I'm keeping. If I keep it a bean, bro, the Pistons are tanking hard for 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 Victor, bro. And if the Victor get if the Pistons get Victor, woman, Yama. give them. Well, I'm not gonna lie. So I would say Cade. Well, but well, bro. listen. So you got Cade, bro. You got Jaden Ivy. They could get potentially Victor, possibly. You put Jalen Duran at the four because he could play between the four or five. Personally, he might be coming off the bench, but start him at the four. Victor at the one. I mean, Victor at the five. Kate at the one. Jaden at the two. Three, you can put Sadiq Bay. I think that's a great, great top three in terms of, yeah, you know, you're right, Greg, but Pistons might have the most right. potential. Bro, they, 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 
Like, bro, that Piston team, bro. Bro, I'm not going to lie. The front office literally shed a tear when when the, the front office literally shed a tear when Cade went down with injury for the rest of the year. And it wasn't a, a tear of sadness, bro. It was a tear of joy. They were no, like, yo, we got a chance at Victor, bro. We got a chance at Victor. Like, whoa. Like, and we about to be right. Like, I mean, they still look at yeah, a legitimate I, chance if Cade was still playing. But. But but don't but don't the Pelicans don't the Pelicans have a shot if the Lakers don't if the Lakers play as horrible as they play don't the Pelicans have the best shot at getting Victor uh, LeBron LeBron playing for pride right now bro LeBron playing for pride right now bro but it's the Lakers the 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 pick that they traded to the Pelicans yeah they were LeBron got too much really low that's what I'm saying though yeah with with that's what I'm saying though like LeBron playing for pride this year last year he was like all right it's cute we can we can beat this ass. I'm saying we can be this uh this trash, but this year, bro, like LeBron playing for pride, like they gonna they gonna get at least a, a playing bid. And if they get a playing bid, bid, they not getting. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. So and if they get a playing bid, that's like a solid like ninth pick, tenth pick. You know what I mean like nothing, nothing too crazy outside of that. Zion and Victor would be really deadly. I'm not gonna lie. That probably be the best two number one picks as the front court. No Pelicans talent would be insane. Yeah. It'd be insane. I'm gonna be honest yo, with y'all, and this is gonna yo, be a, this gonna be a hot take, bro. This, I was gonna say this is this is a, a hot take, bro. I'm gonna keep it a bean, and I really don't care. I'm not as sold on Zion as everyone else is. I'll be mm. real, and it's real, and it's really, and I'm just gonna talk about it because you sure Zion? Zion, Zion did flashes. No, he did, and I saw that, and I was proud of him. And don't get me wrong, I always want to see black man succeed. I always want to see the black man succeed, but I just want to say my point is with Zion, I haven't seen it over a, an extended stretch. And I already got friends. I got family members. I got associates telling me that Zion is already over Ja and all this other stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Ja's uh, giving me like 50, 60 games in the yeah, season. That, that's stretching it. That's stretching You know I what I mean? Like, bro, everybody. And everybody just like Zion this, Zion that. I'm like, take, if you if you take injuries away, I would take Zion over Ja. I love Ja. I think Zion, Ja. But you know what I think it is. But you know what I think it is about Zion. Away, know, that makes it, if you, like, wait, go ahead, Kyrie. Wait, go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying, you know what it makes what it is about Zion that makes it like more outstanding when he does this is the you one the uniqueness in his game being a lefty and his size being at like six five, six six, two sixty, two seventy something, and he has. He, he, he reminds me of Ben Simmons in a way where he, he won't really take a lot of jump shots. He just wants to operate in the paint, which can be really predictable. But when you have the size like he does, the powers, and that touch he, around the rim, he's unstoppable. You can't – you literally bro, can't God, stop him. Rudy Gobert could not do anything with him last night, bro. He, he strips the ball at a big man. Like, he strips it out bro, the you, physically. You and know I, what Zion is going to do, but it's, uh, it's unguardable, bro. Zion's the real deal, man. You can't guard him, Corday. You're so right. If, you can't if guard you just stay healthy and like you said, like you like you're getting too great, I definitely agree with you. He has to do it over a consistent time span, like oh, because he he's I'm missed not some teams. He missed some games this season. But you're right. You're right. Wait, hold bro, on. Up, until this, year, up Wait. until this year, bro, Ja, not Ja, Zion has been fairly unhealthy, and it's like until he was he's playing this fairly, year, it was like on the nigga was averaging like 24. Like Zion is 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 unguardable, bro. And 
for him to be and that I, size, that frame, and have that speed, that power, that strength, it's it's it's, it's like one of one. It, it is one of one, but the problem is, and the reason why the injuries are so scary is because, like, at the end of the day, Zion's game is a game that is very lovely to see, but as it ages, what does it look like? And as if he already has injury history in the infancy of his career, I, and I knock on wood, I'm really not trying to predict, like, what is going to happen. I'm just saying, though, we've seen someone who was fairly healthy get hurt and then never be the same in someone like a Derrick Rose. So what is the evolution of Zion's game outside of the bouncy, the bouncy, springy person? Because, one, that doesn't last forever. Zion got a good amount of years left, but if he continues to get injured at the rate that he's getting injured out right now, once his body actually starts to break down on him, like, what is his game then? Wait, Chris, so, all right, but... I will yeah, so Chris, what's your thoughts on Zion then? I, I, I like what's your thoughts on Zion? Because I feel like you, you you're not a big fan of him either. I was just a feeling though, but you can tell me. What? Oh, you're a okay. fan of Zion. Right. So Yeah, I'm like Zion. Is it Chris, uh, Chris said, stop playing with me, bro. Stop playing with me. <laughs> I, just, Go ahead, I Chris. do agree with Greg. I do agree mm. with Greg. He, I mean Zion is definitely unstoppable. No doubt about it. He's definitely he's very predictable, but again, when you have his size and strength, it doesn't matter because you're not going to stop him like Shaq, like Giannis. You know what they're going to do, but you can't. You're not going to be able to stop him either. I mean, sooner or later, I mean, people are going to start seeing people literally trying to tackle Zion just to foul him. Like that's going to happen <laughs> sooner or later, and he still might make the shot. But, I still might make the shot. But I do agree with the fact that Zion has been hurt a lot so the sample size is not big and also while Zion is very athletic and very imposing around the paint he doesn't really have a game and again and I I, I do agree with Greg because it's not it's not a knock on Zion because we know how good he is or how good he can be and we want and we want to see him succeed because like I said right now the, the well I haven't said this but literally right now the Pelicans look like dark horse contenders as when Brandon Ingram comes back healthy and he plays the way he was playing, they're dark horse contenders to win it all. And Zion's going to be a key part of that. But he has to stay healthy. And not only that, though, he needs to develop more of a game. Because, again, just going back to something that Greg said, sooner or later his body is going to start breaking down. Now. Sooner or later he's not going to get the same – he's not going to have the same athleticism that he has. So when that occurs – what's your game going to be? And we've seen this happen before where somebody like Blake Griffin, somebody who was very athletic, very entertaining during his prime years with the Clippers, but over time, as his athleticism went away, even though he was building the game, it was kind of too little too late because nobody looked at him without that athleticism. And now, nah, right now he, ba- he barely getting ticked. Bro, I feel like, bro, you, that's that... I know that's a concern of it, like for a player of that stature, but I feel like, bro, when you're so young, bro, you... I feel like you don't worry about that till later, bro, because even with Blake Griffin, when Blake Griffin got to Detroit, Blake Griffin developed a game outside of his jumping ability. Zion is still, like, only 23, 24, where he still has room to develop that Blake Griffin type of game like 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 Blake Griffin did, where he'll be able to maybe shoot mid-ranges, run, like, play made, shoot threes. Uh, Zion is still young, bro. I feel like you just live in the right now and just let him be what he is, and you, you worry about that later on down the road. When, when when Zion's on the court and Zion is healthy, Zion's one of the best players in the league. That's that, those true. are a lot wait, of wait, that's wait, a lot, those are a lot of wins though. 
Wait, hold on. But before we go into the Zion conversation, let's bring it back to the last topic. I asked Chris. Chris said Shea Gillis Alexander was his most underrated player. Corday, I'm going to swing it to you. And Greg, go ahead. But Corday, who was the most underrated player in this NBA season so far? In um, your for opinion, me, from your perspective. For me, I like when, uh, like, saying Shea, but I, I went a little, like, under the radar. A guy that's been playing really amazing, I feel like no one's talking about, that should be in that most improved uh, bracket for me is Anthony Simons. Um, we see Anthony Simons come on pretty strong towards the, uh, towards last year uh, after the C.J. McCollum trade. But Simons is really flying under the radar. He's averaging 22 points, uh, four assists. He's shooting 57% on true shooting. And then he's giving you uh, – uh, he's giving you 30, 39% from the three-point line. Wait, I think I'm reading the wrong thing. He's giving, yeah, yeah, for the season, he's 39% from the three-point line. So he's almost at 40%. Uh, he's shooting 40% from the field overall, 90% from the free throw lane. Free throw line, I'm sorry. Uh, Zion, Zion, still got me talking about Zion. Anthony Simons is, uh, he, he's a really good player. Uh, just some honorable mention name drops before he got injured. I really like what Desmond Bing was doing. Uh, Desmond Bain took a big step into becoming like that arguably second best player for the Memphis Grizzlies next to John Morant. And, uh, I want to, I want to share a little love to Jalen Brunson as well. Uh, I love Jalen Brunson. He's given the next 20 to go along with, I believe, seven assists and he's keeping them afloat, especially during that eight game winning streak. But yeah, for, for me, I would say overall, Anthony Simons having a really under the radar season. All right, I'm going uh, to go ahead next real quick. I'm going to just throw my uh, guy out there. I definitely feel like he's been going under the radar just because the San Antonio Spurs are so bad. But i got to still love my guy, Devin Vassell, who puts his, his scoring percent, uh, his points per game up from 12 to uh, just under 20 points a game. He's giving you about four rebounds, just under four assists. He's still a menace on the defensive end. He was coming out of Florida State, and I believe it was the, uh, the 2020 draft. When you come out of Florida State, I really like this game, but I didn't really see him becoming anything outside of a, a tense three of D wing, a guy that's going to spot up in the corner and play stellar defense on the, on the other end. But what he's turned into, I definitely didn't, I definitely didn't see coming. He, he's hitting step back jumpers. He's posting guys up, hitting turnaround fadeaways. He's uh, putting the ball on the floor, getting to the rim, using his left to finish above guys. I mean, he's really, really improved his game this season. And um, I just honestly feel like it's going under the radar. I don't see. I, I got to dig deep to find highlights of him. Um, when I'm watching games of him, the commentators really don't really show him a lot of attention. I mean, he's out there killing it, and they just act like it's there's nothing. But uh, yeah, I got to. I had to show love to my guy Devin Vassell. He really, uh, he's really been stepping it up this season, but, but uh, remains super underrated in my opinion. And I think uh, you're next, Greg. You, uh, you got the last one. Uh, honestly, I think Aaron E. Simons uh, was a really good choice. Um, I think everything that I've heard thus far has been a really good choice for real. Uh, um, I'm tr- I'm honestly conflicted between Aaron E. Simons uh, and Jalen Brunson. I'm going to go with Jalen Brunson because I know what the New York Knicks were last year, and I see the competency that I'm seeing from them this year. And the biggest difference has been a point guard that you know you can trust in, rely on, can get the plays that you need done. Uh, and I just think he's bringing a, lo- a different level, a different demeanor and a different energy where it's just like, you know, like through and through, he going to play. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think the, the, the most underrated statistic that I've seen, I think, going into the season is that, like, and I think I even heard Stephen A. say it, like, uh, Jalen Brunson, uh, RJ Barrett, and, uh, I don't know how I'm blanking on his name, uh, power forward for the Knicks, uh, uh, Julius Randle. They haven't missed again. They haven't missed a game this year. When they can, when they can play, they have played. I, 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 um, and I think that starts at the helm with our point guard. So that's it. That's all I got to say. All right. Corday, uh, one last thing before we wrap it up. What you got to say? Uh, I, I, w- I just want to say I like the, uh, I like the Brunson one. I was really considering going with Brunson before, uh, I said Simons. That's why I just dropped him as an honorable mention. It's, it's been so many good players this year, bro, especially Devin Vassell, bro. That was a great name drop. Uh, I remember beginning of the season, uh, Sixers played the Spurs, bro. He, he could not miss against the Sixers, man. Uh, the Spurs, you know, he, they're, they're in a bad situation right now. They're rebuilding, but they, they definitely have some light at the end of the tunnel with Devin Vassell. Right. Okay. That's. Some nice picks, some nice, interesting uh, players. Some of them I didn't think of. Uh, I'm sure that the fans and the viewers will definitely love hearing this as much as uh, we enjoyed making this episode for them. And that concludes episode 85 of the Restricted Zone podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Restricted Zone Pod. You can also follow the crew individually. It'll be inside the description below with our Instagram. You can DM us, message us, send us a message on what topics you feel we should cover. Uh, and we'll try to do that. You can also follow us on all streaming platforms, regardless if it's Apple, Spotify, Apple, or Samsung. It's free. You don't got to pay a dime. Uh, feel free to click on it. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt. It only helps share with your people, your friends, and definitely we'll be back with more content. Have a great day, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week and happy new year's.